Garrison Hardy with your Cross Politic Daily News Brief for Tuesday, August 30th, 2022. August 30th. Time is flying. And hey, that's why you need to sign up for our conference. Our upcoming Fight Laugh Feast conference is just about six weeks away from happening in Knoxville, Tennessee, October 6th through the 8th. We don't want you to miss Beer and Psalms, our amazing lineup of speakers, which includes George Gilder, Jared Longshore, Pastor Wilson, Dr. Ben Merkel, Pastor Toby, and we can't say yet. Also, don't miss our awesome vendors, meeting new friends, and stuff for the kids too, like jumpy castles and accidental infant baptisms. We're not joking either. Also, did you know you can save money by signing up for a club membership? So, go to fightlaughfeast.com right now and sign up for a club membership today. And then register for the conference with that club discount. We can't wait to fellowship, sing psalms, and celebrate God's goodness in Knoxville October 6th through the 8th. There, got your daily reminder about our conference. And now let's go to California, the beautiful city of San Francisco, or what used to be. San Francisco businesses threaten to stop paying taxes until city officials fix homeless problem. Oh, lovely. Small business owners of San Francisco are demanding the city solve the growing mental health crime, and drug problems exacerbated by the high rate of homelessness in the area, threatening to stop paying taxes if issues continue. The Castro Merchants Association, named after the city's Castro District, sent a letter to San Francisco city officials saying group members who own businesses in the area plan to stop paying taxes if the city doesn't do more to address the problems, reported KTVU. In the letter, the organization complained of homelessness, or of homeless people, rather, who regularly experience psychotic episodes, vandalize storefronts, and harass business owners, employees, residents, and tourists. Quote, our community is struggling to recover from lost business revenue from burglaries and never-ending vandalism, graffiti, often committed by unhoused persons, and we implore you to take action, stated the letter. Every day, we wake up and have people on the street. We have to clean up feces on the street. We have to clear our people away from doorways so we can open our businesses. It's not Fair, said Terrence Allen, co-president of the association and owner of Floor Dispensary and Cafe Floor to KTVU. At this point, it's a failure of the system to help them. The association requested that the city reserve 35 beds in homeless shelters for people in the Castro District. In addition uh, to devising a plan to offering services to people who decline help and keeping monthly records of how many people have been offered services and shelter. Quote, sometimes they do get violent, said Dean Nasher, manager of Castro Smoke Shop. The city does need to take care of these people, find a place for them to stay, and help businesses. When we call the police, they come 30 to 40 minutes later. And hey, I'm pretty sure uh, the city government has been telling cops not really to respond, but uh, that's just me. Dave Carricker, the uh, the other co-president of the association, said that if the association's demands are not met, they may ask store owners to stop paying taxes and other city fees. San Francisco's Department of Public Health, the DPH, responded to the group, acknowledging the association's concerns and citing state policies that make their demands difficult to meet. San Francisco businesses have seen a large increase in burglaries and vandalism since 2019, prompting the Castro Merchants Association to begin documenting incidents. The association noted over 90 incidents, totaling more than $170,000 in repair costs. This just since 2020. Wow. 
Well, from one wow story to another, Google revises search results to better facilitate abortions. Thank you, overlords. Google will now filter such results to indicate which locations identified as providing pregnancy services specifically provide abortions. The search engine had come under fire from pro-abortion activists for including results for pregnancy centers that do not provide abortions. Prior to this change, crisis pregnancy centers were also included in search results for abortion clinics. These are centers that help women who are unexpectedly pregnant keep their babies. Crisis pregnancy centers are in the business of facilitating birth, motherhood, and families and encourage women to keep their babies, often providing help not just to the expecting mother, but to her partner as well. Partner. What's this article thinking? Father, you mean? When a user searches for abortion facilities, those facilities that specifically provide abortions will be labeled as provide abortions. If the search engine doesn't know whether or not a facility provides pregnancy termination, that result will be labeled might not provide abortions. Google search results had not been differentiating between pregnancy centers that seek to help women and those that offer pregnancy termination. This is just straight wicked now. As a result, some women seeking abortions were directed to services that would not provide them. This happened, according to Bloomberg, about a quarter of the time. In June, after the Supreme Court ruling overturning the 1973 Roe v. Wade decision that federally legalized abortion, lawmakers pressed Google to make this change. Their ask to Google came after a study from the Center of Countering Digital Hate, (laughs) but they want murder, uh, which found that 11% of the results for a search or an abortion clinic near me, or abortion pill, in some states were for centers that oppose abortion, Reuters reported. The study was done in states that sought to make abortion illegal once the right to legislate on the matter was returned to the states. The Center for Counseling Dig- or Countering Digital Hate also put together a list of the top 10 accounts that have specifically sought to counter the general mutilation of children and called those users hateful for demanding that healthy children not be sterilized or otherwise mutilated. Those lawmakers who demanded Google change their search results to facilitate ease of finding access to abortions directed their letter to Google CEO Sundar Pichai. In the view of these lawmakers, crisis pregnancy centers that encourage the continuance instead of the termination of a pregnancy are fake clinics. They cite the Center for uh, for Countering Digital Hate, saying that the ads for crisis pregnancy centers are, quote, misleading. Google updates TechCrunch reports around searches for abortion come as a group of more than 600 Google employees is pressing the company to expand worker health benefits, divest itself of some political ties, and bolster user privacy in light of the Supreme Court decision to strip federal abortion rights. Pray for Google. Uh, Pray that the Lord would bring Google down by whatever means necessary, and pray for the pregnancy centers out there. Moving on, CNN medical analyst Dr. Leanna Wen says masking stunted her toddler's language development. Who could have seen that coming? Throughout the pandemic, Wen was in what I'll call the pro-mandate camp. In March 2021, she pushed governors or went after governors who rescinded or failed to pass mask mandates in their states. Quote, We are not out of the woods. We haven't reached the end of the pandemic, Wen said in a pro-mask CNN piece. It's counterproductive and truly infuriating these governments are treating this as if the pandemic is over. It's not true. Later that year, she went so far as to argue that unvaccinated people shouldn't even be allowed to leave their homes. 
I absolutely think we should have that requirement. I think it was a major oversight on the part of the Biden administration to not issue this yesterday. And we have to talk about the reason. The reason isn't so much that we need to keep our, our train travel and plane travel even safer. They are pretty safe, although I definitely think that having a vaccine requirement would make it even safer and probably encourage many people who are vaccinated or who have young kids and want to protect them. Um, maybe it'll help to encourage those people to start traveling again. But there's an even bigger reason too, which is I think we really may need to make it clear that there are privileges associated with being an American, that if you wish to have these privileges, you need to get vaccinated. Travel and having the right to travel interstate, it's not a constitutional right as far as, I'm, as, far as I know to, um, to, to, uh, to board a plane. And so saying that if you want to stay unvaccinated, that's your choice. But if you want to travel, you better go get that vaccine. Dr. Wen, Jeffrey, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Fast forward a year later, and Wen's views have changed. In a recent Washington Post article, she explained why she'll no longer be masking her children and how she shifted away from being, quote, extremely cautious with COVID protocols. I accept the risk that my kids will probably contract COVID-19 this school year, just as they could contract the flu. Wow, she's sounding like, you know, a science denier. Respiratory syntical virus and other contagious diseases, she writes. As for most Americans, COVID in our family will almost certainly be mild, and like most Americans, we've made the decision following precautions strict enough to prevent the highly contagious BA5 will be very challenging. Wen's observations, well, they're not wrong. The new variants are less deadly, and this is particularly true for children, which has always been the case. A year ago, when Wen was still advocating for strict mandates, we pointed out the CDC's own data showed small children are far greater risk of dying from the flu, drowning, vehicle collisions, cancer, and other things than COVID. This data, for whatever reason, apparently did little to persuade Wen in 2021. However, what does appear to have changed her mind is that her child appears to have suffered from the mandates. Quote, Masking has harmed our son's language development, she bluntly asserts in her article on the Washington Post. Dr. Wen no doubt knows a great deal about public health, just like Anthony Fauci and Rochelle P. Walensky. But even Fauci and Walensky, I suspect, would concede that it's Wen who knows what's better for her child. It must be stressed that it's not just for that, that Wen wants what's best for her child. It's that she actually knows what is best for her child because she has infinitely more knowledge about her child than any distant bureaucrat or meddling politician could ever possess. Nobel Prize winning economist F.A. Hayek detailed this local knowledge concept in his work exploring the knowledge problem, and he showed why central planners seeking to engineer society through force are capable of producing little beyond planned chaos. This is why it's so important that freedom of decision-making is left to those who have the most local knowledge and can most accurately assess the risks and rewards of any given action. The good news is that when, to her credit, appears to have learned something throughout the tragedy of the COVID pandemic, as have so many others. Classical Conversation supports homeschooling parents by cultivating the love of learning through a Christian worldview and fellowship with other families. And you don't have to go to public school. They provide a classical Christ-centered curriculum, local like-minded communities across the United States and in several countries, and they train parents who are striving to be great classical educators in the home. For more information and to get connected, please visit their website at classicalconversations.com. Again, that's classicalconversations.com.
All right, guys. It wouldn't be a Garrison Hardy news brief without my favorite topic, sports. And college football is back up and running. So here's a rundown of games and results from this past weekend. Austin PA at Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky comes out on top 38 to 27. Nebraska versus Northwestern and this one took place in Ireland, an interesting locale for these two schools. Northwestern ended up winning 31 to 28, leading many to wonder uh, what's going on with uh, coach Frost over at Nebraska. Is he going to be fired this year? We'll see. I think he's got 5 wins to his name since becoming head coach there. Idaho State at UNLV. UNLV comes out on top 52 to 21. UConn at Utah State. Utah State picks up the dub 31-20. Always a solid program. Wyoming at Illinois. The Fighting Illini take the win 38-6. Florida State versus Duquesne. I'm pretty sure I pronounced that right. Florida State wins 47-7. Are the Seminoles back? Probably not. Charlotte. I lived in Charlotte for a time. Charlotte at Florida Atlantic. It wasn't Charlotte's day. Florida Atlantic wins 43-13. to Florida A&M at North Carolina. The Tar Heels pick up the win 56-24. to Is Mac Brown still there? I don't know. Whatever the case. Mac Brown, solid dude. Nevada at New Mexico State, 23-12 in favor of the Nevada Wolfpack. North Texas at UTEP. North Texas picks up the win 31-13. to And finally, Vanderbilt at Hawaii. Vandy takes the win 63 to 10. That sounds like a pleasant vacation for those Vanderbilt players to me. And that is all I've got for you in sports. This has been Garrison Hardy with your Cross Politic Daily News Brief. If you like the show, hit that share button down below. If you want to sign up for a club membership, then sign up for our conference with that club discount, and then sign up for a magazine. You can do all of that at fightlapbeast.com. And as always, if you'd like to email me a news story, ask about our conference, or become a corporate partner of CrossPolitik, go ahead and email me at garrison at fightlapbeast.com. For CrossPolitik News, I'm Garrison Hardy. Have a great day. 